We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bunjalong Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie and all our bumpies listening. How are you this week? I'm pretty good. Um, My voice may say otherwise. It's a little bit husky, but I'm actually fine. I went to Sydney for one night and went to bed at like midnight and still have not regained my voice back, even though it's been about four days. So if that's not the definition of being old, I don't know what is, but I've had a pretty good week. I've had some good updates, some mixed feeling updates, just, yeah, but generally good. How are you? Well, tell us more. What's all the updates? Well, my good updates are, and I get it, if you're nowhere near school age, you're going to be like, shut up about school. But Goldie has really turned a corner in terms of drop-offs and I feel like this weight is just off my shoulders. And now automatically, now that it's in hindsight, I'm like, oh my goodness, it was only the first like two or three weeks, like calm down. Of course, she had trouble transitioning. But I think when you're in it, it feels so much longer than that because it's day in, day out. You don't know when it's going to end. And yeah, so that's been really nice that I don't feel like I've been walking around all day until pick up worrying or, you know, second guessing things. I'm glad I didn't pull her out and start homeschooling because <laughs> um, I really don't think that I'm, um, yeah, Cut out. I'm, I'm made for that. Um, but no, so that's been a really great thing. Um, I did mention in our 12 month of Pearl episode that I felt like our breastfeeding journey was coming to an end. And I do think now that it has, which I think no matter what, that always comes with mixed feelings. I think it was... It was made easier by the fact that it's been a very like kind of slow decline up until this point. It's made easier by the fact that it's very much been her decision and I haven't had to go through any kind of like weaning process or her being upset by it or anything like that like I feel like I did with the other two. But I guess there's also part of me that thought that my other two girls I fed till 14 months and then I got the ick, but I'd set a lot more boundaries this time. We were doing more mixed feeding this time. And so I thought I probably would have gone longer this time because the breastfeeding journey was not getting in the way of any kind of like freedom of or being able to like share the load or anything like that. So I guess there is a part of me that's like, oh, it wasn't my decision, which makes it hard, but also makes it easier at the same time. The good part is that now I don't have two boobs that are completely different sizes to (laughs) one and the other. She very much preferred my left from the very start. So I've been walking around basically the past year with completely different size boobs. So they're now back to the same size, 
but that size ain't great. I think that there's actually been something quite confronting about, you know, like I've breastfed three babies now, which is awesome. But now that there's literally nothing left in either of them, they just look so lifeless. And I know I'm going to get to a point of acceptance. I may not ever get to, you know, body love about them. I don't know how you feel about your boobs after having fed three times yourself, but they just, I don't know. I'm just finding it a little bit confronting at the moment, looking in the mirror and I'm trying to love it, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. Like in my body, I'm, I'm bigger than I've been in any of my other postpartum journeys. And then I guess, yeah, just finishing breastfeeding and like having two limp socks on your chest. is just a bit like, oh, like I love you guys, but like your body goes through the ringer for these kids and they're worth it all, but we're still able to just have a moment to be like, wow, like I look really, really different. Well, I completely understand that feeling. My, like I'm five years postpartum almost and Yumi looks at me and says to me weekly, mommy, why why do your boobs point down and others point mm. up? And I'm like, oh, mm. babe, because I fed you and your sisters and they just like to look down. That's all it is. Mm. But I have one, so whatever my, I must have, or my kids must have preferred my left side or maybe I did because I'm left-handed and that's the way I always put them but Mm. my left boob is slightly bigger than my right and I think for me I've never had boobs like I've had a flat chest my whole life so for me I now just have little saggy boobs but I just pop them in like a bra or a crop top and I've never had to worry about you know having to lift them up with underwire so that I feel like I'm really grateful for but I haven't really gone down a path of like oh my gosh, I have to look at these all the time. I just, I guess that's just never, ever been one of my insecurities. I've just been like, oh Mm. no, that's okay. But I can completely understand because it is, it's like now you're transitioning back. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is just that transition back and like, obviously, I guess looking at them a bit different because they're not like serving that function anymore. You know, like when they were different sizes and stuff, I'm like, yeah, that's because they're like serving their function. And it's like, oh, they're like back to being things just for me. And I'm like, I know I'll learn to be happy but I mean I guess it's becoming um confident with that again you know like and um it was so funny the other day I put a tank on and I have really small boobs as well so I wasn't wearing a bra underneath it and I looked at myself in the mirror and you could kind of see my nipples through my tank and honestly like if you were looking at a face of a clock one nipple was pointing like up at two o'clock and the other one just the way they were like stuck sitting underneath the tank and one of them was down at like seven and I was just like holy fucking shit like just I don't know it is it's just that um that transition and getting used to it again and I'm probably also having some of that like you know they say when you finish feeding you can have like a real hormonal shift and change and I've definitely been like a bit more anxious over the past couple of weeks as things have been slowing down and I've probably put that a lot to you know all the school stuff and the school changes but I think that probably in reality part of that is my body um 
getting used to not feeding anymore. So I really did not expect to cry on this because I didn't think it was affecting me this much. But um, here we are. That's the beauty of this podcast. You asked me how I was before and I was like, I'm all right. How are you? And you're like, oh, I'm fine. And I was like, are you sure you're okay? And I could kind well, of maybe sense not. that. Yeah, I can kind of sense that there must be like an undercurrent of a lot of emotions going on. Yeah, there must be. And I think think sometimes it's not until you actually think about them and I don't know. It must be because I honestly don't actually even know what part of it I'm upset by right now. I just can't help but cry. And as you know, because you'll probably get to it, you're on basically the first day of your period, which means I'm due for my period. That's probably not helping either. Yeah, that's always a factor. But I feel like, gosh, we don't have a lot of time in the month to not have our period coming or going. So it's kind of like, oh, that's what I said. It's somewhere. Heart flows always coming or she's going. It's one or the other and it's always wreaking havoc. But um, no, that's just like a bit of an update in that sense. And yeah, that's my main updates. How are you? Well, I'm I'm good. I'm tired. I have my period. It took a long time. As I've mentioned, I'm pretty well aware that I'm going to get my period 10 days out with the mood and feeling hot and wanting to clean like an absolute animal. And then it hits and I had to wait like two extra days for it to arrive. And I'm just like, where are you? Just let me feel the release that I need. And when it arrived, I got the worst period pain, the worst flow, if you know what I mean. Like I woke up this morning and it just, sorry TMI, but it all just fell onto the floor and it looked a (laughs) lot. I was like, am I hemorrhaging? Like what is happening? Anyway, I have had to change my tampons more often than I'm used to. And it is, I think it's draining me a little bit. So in that sense, I'm like, yep, I'm exhausted. I am relating it back to that because it is the pain and the headache. It is all real and it's a lot, but I'll take some Nurofen and get over myself. I did actually go to yoga and I found this morning it just reset my energy levels because I was like, okay, I just need to be able to breathe and and reset there. So that was great. But I have... So all in all, we're a great team. Yeah, we're beautiful. <laughs> always, always a beautiful team. I have a Rudolph Fabulous. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know what's coming. I am going... Two. It's kind of last minute, but I'm going to Taylor Swift with the brand Spell Byron Bay. And I, I've just got to say, I feel like I need to say this before anyone says or thinks anything, because I feel like with Taylor Swift, there's this huge sense of guilt if you share that you're going. And I have been a Taylor fan before my kids were born. So when I had to tell them that I was offered this wonderful opportunity that I'm going to Taylor Swift and you're not because I can't get you a ticket, they were just like, what? This is bullshit. And I'm like, I know it, it is terrible, but I'm not going to lie and say I'm not going. I said, how about I FaceTime you when I'm there? They looked at me like, mm. are you serious, bitch? Like mm. if you're going, go, we'll see you later. So anyway, we have been talking about it over the past week and having a few laughs. Yes, obviously, if I can try and swindle some tickets for the Brisbane show, I would love to take all three of them. Is it likely? No, there's it's no not Brisbane likely. show. Oh, the Queensland show. 
there's no Queensland show. Oh, so it's just Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. Well, there you go. So it's all over. <laughs> there you go. See, I was trying to get to a show that I couldn't even take them to. So what hope did they have of going? Anyway, it looks like they'll just stick with me and FaceTime and Tay-Tay. I will buy the merch. Mia said, forget it. I don't want Taylor's merch. And I said, so you're not a true fan anyway. And she's like, to be honest, I just wanted to go because everyone else was going. And I said, that's my point, Mia. I genuinely want to go. Yumi genuinely wants to go. Anyway, it's a bit of a rude or fabulous because I am so excited, but it's really hard to share with people. Mm. When I tell people, I'm like, are you a Taylor Swift fan? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, guess what? And they're like, oh, that's awesome. Then I go, Mm. are you a Taylor Swift fan? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, okay. Oh, well, I was lucky enough to, anyway. And it is such a shame because I've loved doing Beyond the Bump, but it's such a shame that now we have to wrap this up. Like, because you're dead to me, because you're going and I'm not going. So this has been a great podcast, a great job. You can be happy for me. You've been a great friend of mine over these past few years, but I'm going to just have to cut ties. You can be happy for me. I I will be happy for you, I promise. I will be. But I'd be happier for you if we were experiencing it together. Just so everyone's clear, I have been doing my sweat work trying to get Sophie a ticket to come. So I am actually an incredible co-host at that. She's all right. She's all right. Anyway, I will be muting you on, is it Friday (laughs) night? Friday night, I will be muting you and we can recommence our chats next Monday. So congratulations. Sure thing. Okay, so the other thing that I have is it's a little bit of a secret or a story my therapist really only knows. And when I go to Sydney, because it is in Sydney, this will be the first time I have ever gone interstate on my own, slept on my own. And if anyone knows me, or I guess I may have brought it up in some of the mental load chats, I've had this fear of being alone and I have panic attacks whenever I have to sit with my own thoughts. So it's actually, it's a, it's a terrifying, it's like, it's almost like my worst nightmare having to go Mm. somewhere overnight and stay by myself. Mm. And I'm about to do it. And it's huge. I have been definitely humming it over. I'm obviously in a really good mental state to process and really understand. I've done a hell of a lot of work to get here. And I'm very aware that there's some people out there that are like, are you kidding? You can't do this. Yep. I'm not kidding. I I genuinely can't. It's something I've really been afraid to do. So as much as this, it's exciting. It's so exciting. There's going to be a underlying nervousness for me to do all of this on my own. But I'm, I think the over, overall thing about it, even though Taylor Swift obviously is the be all and end all, is actually if I can get back home and Aww. sit down and go, I've, I did it. I will be, this is like a monument, monumental milestone for me and I'll be so proud of myself. So, yeah, I just thought I'd share it here because, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, thanks for sharing with us. But is it the flying or the overnight part or the just being on your own? No, so it's not anything. I can do anything on my own. I actually really like being on my own. I exercise, I go to movies, I do lunch dates on my own. It's the nighttime where my mm. head's quiet and I'm I'm alone and I just get a little bit funny. But I've done so much work, so I've really sort of uh, – it was actually a process. My ther- The next step for me with my therapist was like, Jade, go and stay somewhere that's close 
close to your house for the night just to see how you mm. feel to get over that. And so instead of that, I'm now just going to Sydney on my own. <laughs> Look, the worst that can happen is a panic attack. But for me, that is the worst that can happen. But I will be fine. I am really excited and I'm focusing on what I have to look forward to. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'll, I'll let you go now. I'll let you go considering Thank it's you. like, you but, know. Because I might have a panic your attack and I do, yeah. yeah, you're happy for me to might feel, I might feel bad. So you're like, okay, you can go. Only because there's potential extreme stress leading up to yes. the event, I will let you go. Thank you. And during <laughs> and after. But post, I'll be fine. <laughs> well, we're going to get into today's episode. This was such an educational, insightful chat. We spoke with Ellie and she is one of the educators at Dermalogica and she's a skincare expert and we chatted all about what products we can and cannot use during pregnancy, Mm -hmm. postpartum, breastfeeding, what actually works, like what we need. I feel like you constantly see these people doing 15-step skincare routines and you think, where do I even start or what do these things do? And look, I am a bit of a skincare newbie. I learned so much during this and yeah, we had a great chat. We hope you enjoy. Hello, Ellie. Thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Bump today. Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what we're going to be talking about today? Sure. I'm very excited to be here. I am a mum of a 14-month-year-old little girl called Violet. I'm also 30 weeks pregnant. Um, But the reason I'm here is I'm here with Dermalogica. I'm a qualified skin therapist and I've been with the brand for eight years as a senior educator. So I'm here to talk to you all about um, hormonal skin, pregnancy skin, postpartum skin, breastfeeding skin. I feel like I haven't had a break for the last couple of years so definitely um well versed in this area now to start us off this isn't even hormonal breastfeeding pregnancy related but I feel like when I was younger and I was watching my mum do her skincare, it used to be you throw a bit of moisturizer on and you head out the door at least that was my mum anyway now it's much more confusing than that. And if there's someone who's just, you know, wanting to get into skincare or I think sometimes from the outside you pretend you know what's going on, but then you're like, what do those things do? Like mm. where do you start? What are what are things that we do actually need in our skincare routine? What's mandatory? Yeah, that's a great question. Like it definitely can be confusing, especially when you like these eight-step routines. Yeah. Essentials are cleanser, moisturizer, and a sunscreen. And then you might also add in like an exfoliant and a serum, but like basics, basics, cleanse and moisturize a sunscreen. Okay. And then people throw around words like retinol and certain vitamins. Hydrolonic. And, yeah. Hy- hydroclonic. Hydroclonic. <laughs> colonic. I think colonic's the other end of the body. <laughs> stick to the skin, Jade. <laughs> yeah. So lots of different actives and ingredients and they're all awesome, but they might not need to be used together and they might not be right for your skin. So it can be confusing and it can be helpful to talk to like a professional to actually like, what do I need for my skin? Because you don't need everything and you don't necessarily need like 10 steps, especially if you're a mum. Yeah. Well, I've only recently discovered the differences and how much is on the market with skincare because my tweens are absolutely infatuated with the skincare TikTok range at the moment. It is one, I don't understand why they're like, twins. we're all trying to look like, <laughs> like you. you. What are you doing? And they, they have this routine, bless their hearts, right? Because they see it and they're like, oh, we're going to do our skincare. So they've got the headband, they've got it all going on. And 
one day I walked into Mecca because for Christmas, that's what they wanted. I didn't want to spend much. And the lady, thank goodness, sat there and she said, I've got to be honest with you. Most of what is being shown on TikTok is absolutely unnecessary for their skin. And I said, please do tell me more. And when she said that, it turned out that Obviously for them, they don't need much but moisturizer and some mist, like just to pretend that they're doing whatever they need. But then I thought, what do actually I need as a, a mother? Like I, I need simplicity. I need just as easy and fast as possible. So for a, a mum that is time poor, what are the basics? What do we need? Cleanser, moisturizer, sunscreen, or with and sunscreen, like I don't think it's overlooked here. I'm originally from the UK and it's a bit overlooked there, but sunscreen's going to protect against aging, right? It's it's your number one anti-aging product. Serums are a really good way to like have a step in your routine that's, it's one product, but it can make a world of difference. So you might have hydrating serum or a firm serum or vitamin C for brightening. So I feel like serums are quick and easy hacks. You don't have to have loads. You can just have one that really gives you what you want. And exfoliants as well. They will, they'll make a big difference. So you mm. can get daily ones that you can mix with your cleanser to skip out a step. And that leaves the skin really smooth. And then everything is absorbed better. So I think exfoliants and serums are good ways to like see dramatic results. But it doesn't have to be complicated. And what about a toner? What does that do? Yeah, often people are like, what's the point of a toner? So yeah. toners tend to be those, like, they're like mists that you spray on the skin. And they actually do have a, have a function. So if you think about it, skin like a sponge like when we use a toner we dampen the skin and then like a sponge the sponge will hold more water when it's wet so it's right. the same analogy right you put on a toner then get your serums and moisturizers on while it's damp it absorbs better but you actually use less product so it's makes your skin cost effective and most Ooh. toners have pretty cool ingredients in them as well so they're quite skin specific but it's one of those products that's once you use it you can't unuse it you just mm. use that hydrated feeling that's what i feel about serums like i feel like i went so much of my life never having used one and then once you start using one i don't even know if it's just the ritual of putting it on is so nice i'm like i can never go back i can't stop with the serum i actually called it face oil the other day and my tween said absolutely not mum how old are you they are face serums and i'm like okay <laughs> I need to be educated and here I am. Yeah. And we can talk about anything, like say anything skin related doesn't just have to be hormone. So let's get into it. Can we use retinol and vitamin A creams during pregnancy, breastfeeding or postpartum? Unfortunately, uh, no. I've really missed retinol, pregnancy, breastfeeding. Postpartum, yes, once you've stopped breastfeeding. So with most of the ingredients that we have to avoid, it's it's really because there have been studies on high dosages or oral forms of that particular ingredient that have shown to harm your unborn baby. When it comes to topical skincare, so lower concentrations, there isn't there just isn't the studies to say, yeah, it's okay. So it's all about erring on the side of caution and of course nobody wants to voluntarily do that study right no pregnant woman wants to be in that study so we just don't have the evidence so that's why doctors will always say not to use something like retinol and also high levels of salicylic acid so salicylic acid the rule with that one is typically above two percent we can cover that one in a moment if you like but yeah retinol amazing ingredient for collagen and elastin brightening like i've missed it so much but sadly no during pregnancy and also breastfeeding just because with it possibly going into the bloodstream and then the milk again we just don't know 
so it's best not to use it. I had never used retinol before and then I tried this product and I literally gave myself facial burns almost. And then I found out that I didn't know, but I was actually pregnant with my third child. Would I have had a reaction to that because I was pregnant and should I have been concerned that I was pregnant and I've been too scared to use it again? Where did I go wrong? When we're pregnant, our skin can be more sensitive because yeah. the hormone changes. Like that's really common. Um, I've just had a bout with psoriasis but because of the hormones. So your skin was probably like didn't love the retinol because it is pretty powerful don't freak out if you do use retinol if you didn't know you're pregnant and you're like oh, i've been using this it, it's very unlikely that it would have there would be any harm but you just best to stop using it does that answer your question yeah and so if i wanted to go back to using it again how do you reintroduce that that was the other thing i was wondering like how are you applying it because sometimes we can get a little bit heavy-handed sometimes you can apply it too close to the eyes and the mouth yeah that's what i was going to say because i did it close to my eye one day and i called the skin place that i see and she's like jade you don't put it anywhere near your eye and i was like oh well yep yep that that'll do me (laughs) it's not eye cream yeah you learn your lesson And so people say to avoid actives. Are they the main actives they're talking about or are I I just don't really know what that means. Yeah, so actives is like, I feel like it's a term used quite a lot in the skin, but it covers loads of different ingredients that are absolutely fine to use in pregnancies. The ones to really think about are retinol or vitamin A and then salicylic acid, which is typically used for breakouts. So that's one that's like, I would say it's like a pipe cleaner for your pores. It it gets in, it decongests, Mm. it's anti-inflammatory. So it is really good for breakouts. And annoyingly, when you're pregnant, you can break out. But you can you can use that one in lower concentrations. And typically, if it's like a cleanser that you wash off, it's fine. So there's like a bit of, it's not a gray area. It's just, you can use it to some degree. If you're thinking, well, how would I know? Often you can contact a brand or they might even list it on the product. But a little tip is when you look at an ingredient list, the ingredients that are listed first, they're the ones that we typically have in higher concentration. So if you've seen salicylic acid at the start, then that's a bit of a clue that, yeah, it's a high concentration. But again, there are alternatives. So like you can't use retinol or you can use vitamin C and vitamin C is firming and also brightening and we get uneven skin tone in pregnancy. So that's an alternative you can use. Peptides. Have you heard of peptides? I've heard of peptides. I've heard of them. I don't know. I don't think I've used them and I don't know what they do. Don't men put them in their muscles or am I off track? (laughs) They're like, they're in a lot of our serums. So the simple way to think about them is like they can chat to the cells in our skin. So we've got a cell that makes collagen. Most peptides focused on talking to that cell to be like, Hey, can you, can you work a bit harder? Maybe some more collagen. So we can definitely still have great results, even though we can't use things like retinol. And same with salicylic acid, there's alternatives like sulfur, for example, that's more like it's really gentle on the skin and it's safe for pregnancy. So there are always other options. I think retinol is particularly sad for people because it is like the gold standard yeah. in the skin and it's like results within a day, right? No, I think people are even more sad to give up their Botox. What about Botox? When do people have to stop that and when can they recommence and why? <laughs> um, so, again, it's, yeah, stop if you're trying to conceive, you're pregnant, you're breastfeeding. Technically, Botox goes in the muscle, not into the bloodstream, but, again, it's 
there's no studies. So no, no practitioner wants to take the risk, right? So a lot of it comes just down to there's just not the tick from the study. There's not that approval. Uh, fillers, they can link. So again, fillers are a, a no-no. Everything really can start once you stop breastfeeding. And that's just because with breastfeeding, obviously, we've got the milk coming from our body and the potential for ingredients to go into the blood flow. And it's very low risk, but there's not 100% safety out there. So in terms of all these things, because I I know so often that, you know, people are like, oh my goodness, I just found out I was pregnant. Like I've been pregnant for this amount of weeks and I've had this, this, and this done. A lot of the time it's not, oh, we know this leads to this. It's more so we don't have the studies to prove that it's safe. So it is a bit of reassurance that things should be fine and to, you know, not have deep regrets and feel really guilty, but it's more that, you know, we can't say a hundred percent for sure that it is a safe thing to do yeah that's essentially it's like you know if you diet like that's okay Prevention. put it back in the bathroom cabinet and don't get it out for a little while where there is evidence it's like in really high doses or oral form so yeah it's far removed from what we're applying on our skin now how do hormones impact the skin like if we're talking moles, skin tags, acne, I remember I used to always get these blood vessel bursts on my face and my arms. I have them arms. on the back of my arms. Yeah, yeah, and some went away and some didn't. And then the veins and all those things down in my <laughs> legs would happen. But in terms of hormones, what what's happening here? The main question really is why the hell do they say you're going to glow? Yeah. Do some people actually glow? Do they? Some people do glow, but, yeah, you definitely learn when you become pregnant. This is a bit of a myth. They say you glow because you've got a big increase in blood flow, typically like second trimester. That all goes No, I was just out of breath. All that that increased volume did was make me out of breath when I do go up like two stairs. Yeah, so it's like some people get it. There's no scientific evidence, but I think it's blood flow. And also we get a big boost in estrogen when we're pregnant, and that is linked to the skin making more collagen and hyaluronic acid um, and actually suppressing oil. So that's like why some people may glow. Well, there's some natural perks. Yeah. Don't worry about your retinol. You can have some extra collagen when you're pregnant. Yeah, yeah. it's not all bad, but then and you've also got... I was going to say, you have to look past the acne to get to the collagen, but anyway. <laughs> and do your things happen during different stages in the pregnancy, right? So first trimester, acne tends to be, or breakouts are more common because massive change in hormones and any shift in the hormones kind of freaks the skin out. But progesterone... That spikes as well as estrogen, and that can be linked to oil production. So we tend to see more breakouts at the beginning. That's not to say that you won't. Some people still break out the whole way through. So because it's hormonal, do we act on that or do we just know that in maybe the second trimester or when we give birth? Like surely because I had really bad acne with my first child and I was like it's actually sore. It's not just a physical thing that I'm worried about. It's actually sore. No, definitely act on it. You You can definitely reduce the severity and try and prevent a bit um, and also use like calming soothing hydrating ingredients to make your skin more comfortable but you are right like when we've got hormones at play we we can't turn those off so it's you know in terms of it completely going away well you you're better off 
waited until those hormone levels have dropped to have that kind of expectation. That's also why, and I'm sorry, I'm jumping into another skin condition, but pigmentation or melasma. Yeah. Which is very common in pregnancy. That's that's the estrogen. So although estrogen is great for the collagen, it is also linked to causing more melanin production, which is what gives us skin color. So you may have heard of the term the mask of pregnancy. That's mm. another way we refer to it because it typically is like a butterfly shape in the middle of the face. Yeah. Yeah, really common. And again, treating that, there are things you can do to definitely help to, you know, fade it, reduce it. What kinds? Yeah, tell us because I think everyone wants to know about the pigmentation. (laughs) Lactic acid is a great ingredient for targeting pigmentation. It's um, an exfoliator, so it will help to smooth the texture of the skin, but it can actually work within the skin to kind of chill out the cell that's making melanin. So a bit of like regulation going on. It's also really hydrating and it's quite gentle, which is a tip when you're pregnant and perhaps more sensitive. Glycolic acid, that's a a good one again for glow and aging, but glycolic acid can be a bit more powerful because it's it's really small, so it shoots in the skin. So weigh up how sensitive you are. Vitamin C, that is an active that we can use in pregnancy. So um, vitamin C. I love vitamin C. Yeah, love it. All about the glow, but also C. Oh, my God, all about the glow. Vitamin C, lactic acid, great combo for pigmentation in pregnancy. Also, I've said it so many times, but sunscreen. So what we know with melasma, like hormonal pigmentation, is it's the hormones, but it's the combination of sort of hormones intersecting with UV exposure. So, again, being really diligent is going to help to control that in some way. And if you have pigmentation post-birth, how can you treat it? In terms of post-birth breastfeeding, the ingredients I've just said, once you stop breastfeeding, you can go for some more sort of hardcore professional skin treatments. So chemical peels are Mm -hmm. um, a great way to, to treat it. We've got high concentrations of powerful ingredients that really, I guess, remove surface layers of the skin. So we're pushing that pigment out. Unfortunately, when you're you're pregnant breastfeeding, those treatments are a no-no and you'd probably be too sensitive anyway. Microneedling, that can also help. And that's an amazing one for firming the skin because that's all about stimulating collagen and elastin as well as breaking up that that pigment. So they're two really good professional treatments. But definitely like a series of peels would be a really good um, option for pregnancy pigmentation great and so are there some people that if they were literally to stay inside for their pregnancy they would still have melasma yeah i don't think we could completely if we just like hit from the sun is that what you're saying yeah a really good question actually because i feel like some people give themselves a hard time because they're like i've been so diligent with sun cream and i've been wearing a hat and like i've been you know making an effort to not spend too much time outdoors but some people are just going to get it, right? Yeah, it's the hormones, yeah. largely the hormones. And also um, with any sort of pigmentation challenges, the darker the skin you are, the more prone you are to having those issues because your skin naturally makes more of that mm. melanin. So that's also something to consider. Like you can be more um, susceptible to having those challenges. And so say you're pregnant and you don't want to get a pregnancy massage because you're uncomfortable, but you would like to be treated and pampered. What do you have to ask for? Like, do they have like pregnancy facials or is do you just have to tell them that you're pregnant so they don't use specific things on your face? Yeah, great question. You should always like be given like a consultation card to fill out and it should normally ask things like that. So definitely, yeah, tell them and people will adjust. But then a lot of places also have 
pregnancy specific as well. So they tend to focus more on like hydration, glow, lots of massage and, and oh. touch. For me, like pregnancy and postpartum, like I kind of want, I want the results, but I want the me time as well. So mm. um, I think you need to flip a little bit as well. And it's like that, that self-care or just like, yeah, taking yourself away from a baby so you can just lie on the bed like it's yeah funny how your priorities change you can be left are we i'm happy to be left you don't even need to touch me just don't speak to me please (laughs) can we use red light therapy or led masks when pregnant and breastfeeding another really great question i love led have you guys had led i use it all the time and i was gonna say does it actually work but i feel like when i've done it i've like you've got to be pretty consistent with it but i love it yeah, and again, there's like great studies for, for particularly the red light for firm and blue light for acne. It works. I always think that like, do you remember learning about photosynthesis at school? How plants absorb yes. sunlight you know, and convert into energy and food. It's kind of LEDs are saying like different lights target different cells or places in the skin and that has a specific result. So red works with the cell that makes collagen. Blue targets the follicle to help with um, clearing breakouts. So it does absolutely work. It's really comfortable. There's, you know, yeah. you can't feel it. I find I just want to sleep, like it's relaxing. The good news is, is it is considered safe during pregnancy and breastfeeding. You might want to check with your doctor if you're a bit concerned. And there may be some businesses that um, want that doctor's approval, but it is generally considered safe. If you've got like your own one at home, you can always just check the manufacturer's guidelines. But yeah, overall, it it is safe. And so what's the deal, Jade and I were saying that we both have some of those burst blood vessels. What are, what are they and can you do anything about them? Yeah, again, it's just hormones and like skin stretching. Is that what it is? Skin stretching? Yeah, yeah. so with your, your skin, have you noticed like how moles get bigger in pregnant? Yeah, I don't know, yes. Like moles on my tummy that are bigger. So the skin stretching can sometimes, um, well, it can trigger irritation as well as like stretch out things that already exist. But it's largely to do with that blood flow and hormones. Like everything just comes back to the changes in, in hormones, unfortunately. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. Yeah, like skin tags, I think you mentioned as well. They tend to be common in pregnancy. Again, hormones, but also friction in particular areas of the body because of weight gain in pregnancy. I get them under my eye, but I think it's hereditary because my dad also and my grandma gets them. And he's not pregnant. He's not pregnant. (laughs) uh, And my grandma's also not pregnant. Um, But I find that they always sit underneath the eye and I, I haven't actually got them removed by a professional, I kind of actually naughtily just pick them off and they end up going. And then do they come back? No. Oh, it's impressive. Yet, yet. I think the older you get, then they just yeah, go, here, okay. we're going to get her. No bleeding or anything? Yeah, bleeding. I look horrendous <laughs> for about a week. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not saying I look good <laughs> and it looks better and it's fixed. I'm just saying I've done it. They are harmless. They're just a build up of skin cells. If they're really bothersome in, say, pregnancy, you can get them frozen off. But most of the time, doctors would be like, do you know, just wait to see what happens yeah. after your hormones have settled and they might go away on their own. But yeah, wow, that's that's sounds And what about those burst vessels? Just because I've got them on the back of my arm. Yeah, like, really can you, can you laser them off? Yeah, or what? obviously yeah. you need to look to laser. But again, you've got to wait to after baby's born and breastfeeding. Yeah. For treatments like that. 
just because of the skin being reactive. I had, and I still do have burst blood vessels. I have kind of like a varicose vein that also just stretched the crap out of the side of my leg. And I still have it here. Look at that. Sorry, no one can see, but Sophie, mm-hmm. but that you can get those lasered as well if you want to. Are you a professional now? Yeah. So <laughs> if you didn't know, Ellie, you can get those done. Laser IPLs, good for anything vascular because it yeah. kind of takes that out of the skin. Now, what about stretch marks? Because I feel like there's so many products on the market for stretch marks and some people just say, you know, you will get them or you won't get them. I actually, interestingly, this time didn't have any while I was pregnant. But then I noticed postpartum. I don't know yeah, if when it's you that I, yeah, when I deflated. Like I didn't know if it was because I couldn't see them. But I feel like they're big enough that I would have been able to see them even no. underneath there. Do you know I actually lost weight recently and I have always had quite a tummy. But I've only just realized that I've got stretch marks over my appendix scars, like three of them. Mm. And then my nipples, because they've gotten smaller. I'm like, oh, wow. So I've got a fair few that I never, ever knew about. I just obviously haven't got back to a size where I could actually see the scars, mm. the stretch marks. Yeah. Wow. Um, yes. Stretch marks are funny ones. I, you said like genetics plays a part like that's what we know like you you will get them or you won't get them there are obviously products out there i don't know how much research has been done in them but i've used an oil in both well the last pregnancy and this pregnancy and i seem to come out unscathed from stretch marks so yeah the jury's still out on that one but it makes sense doesn't it it makes sense if you're having an oil or something moisturized if you're stretching skin that it's going to help it not get a mark and it makes them maybe a little bit less visible but um really again genetics is the it plays a part with that um obviously the hormones and the stretch of the skin but again something you can fix after you've had your baby so um microneedling is actually really good for stretch marks Hmm. yeah that can help to like break up the pigment and also we've got that new collagen coming through so you can have professional treatments and then again there's loads of products out there to help fade stretch marks and so as a professional and an an expecting mother what is your skincare routine at the moment well i i have to say that i think um so you talked about being a ritual it's one thing that keeps me sane like i know i remember my mom's group everyone had something they did each day with us like i have to do the house each day i just i have to do my one thing to like not completely fall apart and like skincare was that for me like a bit of me time so i don't have 10 steps by any means but i i tend to like double cleanse which mm. with an oil cleanser first and then a normal cleanser i just feel like my skin feels really hydrated and fresh and then i'm using a like peptide serum at the moment because i can't use retinol and i found after having violet and lack of sleep i definitely came out of that like five years older and then moisturizing sunscreen so it's pretty simple and when i remember i might pop in an eye cream as well when i've like had those bad nights but yeah cleansing serum moisturizer sunscreen and then every couple of days exfoliating but my skin can be a little bit sensitive now, so it just depends how it feels. And if you wanted to, like, I don't know, give someone who is pregnant and hasn't got time for a lot of self-care, could you get them, like, a peptide mask or something they could do at home? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Give them a mask. There's some masks that um, you can sleep in, which I love because you can be extra lazy. Just, like, pop it on, wash it off the next day. You don't have to time, mm. time yourself. 
you know, sheet masks. We know that they're like pretty on trend in the moment at the moment, quick and easy to use. I think it's all about quick and easy yeah. with um mums uh, i could talk about double spending i know some people are like oh, i haven't got time for no that, can but- you talk a little bit more about that because we had a conversation recently with someone i can't remember when but i was like what do you mean you double cleanse and apparently this is more popular than than not is is this true yeah, like, I feel like a lot of people are on board with it now. And again, it's one of those things when you do it, you're like, oh, yeah, I can't go back to single cleansing. <laughs> but the idea is it's not like cleansing with the same cleanser. So you start with an oil-based cleanser, and that oil is like a magnet for dirt, pollution, makeup mm. in the skin. But they're water-soluble, so they're going to rinse off when you add water. Uh, and they're typically plant-based. They're really hydrating. So you get this like really nice, clean, soft feeling. But what it means then is your actual cleanser, which might be a calming one, um, a moisturizing one, and a breakout one, it is actually cleaning the mm. skin and within the pores. Whereas, so the first one just removes like this invisible layer of grime on the skin. And then the second one actually cleans the skin. Does that make sense? That mm. makes so much sense that I'm going to be double cleansing for the rest <laughs> of my life. Oh. <laughs> It makes a difference and um, you feel like everything just, you know, gets in the skin better after that as well. And I find when I do one cleanse, sometimes I might towel dry my face, there's still makeup on yeah. it. So especially if you wear makeup, it feels so good. And usually you use them on your eyes as well. And like you scar, it just all melts off. It's so satisfying. So good. And so what are some common things that we could look out for postpartum? Like we've touched on the main pregnancy ones. What about postpartum or do they tend to be the same? bit different actually and I don't know about you both but I I found my skin was worse like postpartum than pregnancy like those sort of first six months after having a baby so I honestly can't remember (laughs) it's a blur (laughs) wasn't looking my best no no in all aspects I wasn't looking my best agreed (laughs) we know about the baby blues and that's like the hormone trauma Mm. when we give birth so in pregnancy estrogen and progesterone have gone up and you know, there's been benefits to that, but there might be skin challenges, but then they massively fall, um, which is why we can get those baby blues. But then again, the skin can, can freak out. Um, remember I said estrogen is great for hyaluronic acid, which is really hydrating. So the skin can get quite dry mm. and sensitive postpartum. And then also again, just because of that hormonal shift, breakouts can be common for people postpartum. But you know, some people I know um, will be like, oh, I've just got eczema around my eyes I've never had eczema before since having a baby or perineal dermatitis or be it that rash around the mouth so postpartum we tend to see a lot of things like that and it's yeah typically because of the drop in hormones also prolactin which is the hormone for breastfeeding that also suppresses estrogen because estrogen can interfere with milk flow so yeah the estrogen which is the hormone we generally love and that's also the hormone we loop that drops when we go into menopause and we know that dry skin is associated with menopause yeah that one is it goes pretty low so that is why we get sensitivity and dryness and i also think you know you're not you're not really sleeping you're stressed like all of that is obviously going to play a part you don't have the time to look after yourself so most people complain about like dry patches on their skin and is that just do you just give that moisture how do you handle that yeah so just like a lot of cooling calming products ceramides hyaluronic acid uh, it looks more the sensitive ranges but yeah it's just like keep giving back to the skin also if you are breastfeeding that like, you lose a lot of water so there's that internal dehydration happening as well mm. when you say sunscreen can you 
get a foundation that has a sunscreen in it or are you best to just get a sunscreen on its own? And I feel like when we talk about sunscreen, we immediately think, great, it means I'm going to have a greasy face. Are there sunscreens out there that you can actually put on every day that you're going to go, oh, okay, I don't, I feel like I'm protected, but I'm not actually greasy and looking like I'm sweating at a beach. Cancer Council Australia recommends a teaspoon for the face and neck, and you might just not use as much of your foundation, of course. if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it does. If you're doubling, like, use sunscreen and then a foundation with it, you're not going to add the numbers of sunscreen together to get, like, SPF 70, but you, <laughs> if you've missed anywhere, you've probably yeah. covered it with the foundation. So it's, like, just, like, an extra layer of protection. There are, like, some pieces have come a long way. Like, one thing I love about working with Germany is we have quite a, a lot on offer, but they don't feel like sunscreens. And they also have, like, additional skin benefits. So I always go for a, a true one. Or what I mean by that, it's like it's a daytime. It's a moisturizer. It just happens to have SPF 50 in. Right. You don't have to do another step. And it, it just feels light and hydrating. Like you would feel it and go, that's not a sunscreen. So there are lots out there. Um, and, and this one I use also has, like, Thermipec tires and antioxidants in so you can get hard work in sunscreens what spf would you be looking at for your face what level yeah that's a good question really anywhere from 30 plus is generally recommended especially in australia if you are getting pigmentation then you probably want to go on the upper end as well but yes yeah, so 30 plus is a good way to look at it cool so good I love it. I'm it's going away with a lot of information. I know. I feel like I've been throwing routine. a lot of things on my face that I haven't fully understood and yeah. now I understand. Do you? It might be out of your scope of practice, but all of this, is this linked in the same way to postpartum hair loss? Yeah, like hormonal. Yeah. yeah. And then like hair growth in pregnancy, but mm. it is like driving that. So, yeah, it's the same pattern. Yeah. Because that postpartum hair loss, I've got curly hair and like it stayed thick, but you know, you get the bangs as well. Oh gosh, it's just got like. Mine is like at its worst ring. now in terms of not the loss, but it's grown for like long enough that it's now so hard to hide. Like <laughs> I, I feel like I, I slick it down and 30 minutes later, it's like, I'm back. Like <laughs> I keep looking at these combs you tied on Instagram, you know, the ones that I meant to get rid of flyaways, but I don't think I've got much luck with those. All right. And to finish off this episode. If you're a new mama and you're tired or you're pregnant or you've got a friend who's in this boat and you want to gift them or you want to ask for something for your skin, what would be just the absolute go-to in terms of your recommendation? Like an unlimited voucher for your treatment, but yeah. it's like a, a voucher for some sort of treatment and that might even incorporate LED. And like we were saying before, it's like it's Obviously, it's going to boost your skin. Hopefully, you're going to glow. It's just that time out on the bed. So perhaps the voucher, but also the babysitting as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's mandatory. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Ellie, for joining us today and teaching us so much more about our skincare and what we can use in pregnancy, postpartum, and breastfeeding. Um, I personally have learned so much, so thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And, yeah, thank you for the podcast. As I said to you before we started, like, it's such a, a gift um, and has been really supportive and entertaining through my own pregnancy postpartum journey. Oh, oh yeah. Well, good luck with number pleasure. two. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, 
Good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.